Welcome to the City Life Lansing podcast. We hope this message empowers you to love life, love Jesus, love people, and dream more. You can connect with us at citylifelansing.com. You belong here. All right. Good morning. Good morning. You guys, this, it's one thing for the early service to be boring, but it's not cool for this group to be boring, all right? Like, come on, you guys, you guys got to sleep in until like 10.30 or something like that. And so throughout this time, I'm going to ask some questions, and I would love if you'd be honest. Raise your hand. They're not going to be real tricky questions, but I, I, the more honest you are, it's going to kind of direct where we go today. So um, rather than talking about how, how many of you guys think you should do something different for Jesus... Oh, come on, come on, let's go. Yeah, right, everybody thinks that. Um, and that's fine, but this morning we're actually going to look at Jesus. Like, like the way that we would reflect off of him, that some of us, when we grew up, um, Jesus was, um, by the way, Jerome and the staff are at an off-site um, for three days sharpening the saw and getting ready for next year. Um, so you're stuck with me for the next little bit um, before you're let off the hook and can go do all the things you want to do, like watch football. Um, but like the, the best thing we can do in changing ourselves is to look in, in, at our creator differently. Like what if, if just for this like 20, 30 minutes, we just took everything we knew about Jesus and just set it to the side. Like everything we've been taught about how he's um, blonde haired, super white. I mean, unbelievably, like they, they just, they cannot even Photoshop him white enough, right? And he's got like this, this trim to a two beard. Um, and he's got this white, like flowing robe with a perfectly managed belt made of rope. Um, like these are the pictures. And then if we continue out like to the pictures of God, could somebody shout out like when we think of God and we're taught growing up, what's a picture? Something, something about God that we're taught. Old man. Lightning. Come on. That's, you Google God and you just look up images and you just see lightning. And it's like, yeah, as a judge, like it's just a very, very small part of his job description. You know, like it's very, very small. It'd be like for those of you, I don't know, good men who take out the trash. Like if I Googled your name and it just had like you carrying out trash. Like, this is just a very, very small piece of what I do. And I don't actually do it that well. Our, our trash is totally out of control at the house. And I actually, confession time, since Jesus is here, I had some trash that was overflowing and I threw it in the back of my truck and I took it and I threw it away in the Meyer dumpster. So for any of you guys who live uh, or who work at Meyer and check surveillance yesterday about five o'clock at the Meyer in Okemos, uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was just on that end of town. Our, my office actually has dumpsters as well. I would have used it if it were closer. But um, this whole idea of like, what if we looked at Jesus differently? What if he's totally different than we expected? And when we go into Christmas, like, what if he's totally different than we expected? What if he's not as boring or as white or has the beard that you think or is, is, or in God's case, like throwing down lightning when there's a thunderstorm and he's bowling or whatever? Like, like what if? Because to be honest, I'm just not that into boring. I, I mean, a judge, that's, that's fine and that's the way that the universe is set up, but like, I, I'm into love. Like, that's what I'm here for. That's what I find, like, the most beautiful expression in a relationship is all born out of love. And so we're going to dive into Jesus' life. 
we're going to go through all 33 years in about 15 minutes. And so, uh, so get ready. We're going to start at like the Christmas side, and then we're going to work all the way to the resurrection. Lydia, would you mind just throwing this picture up on the screen? Um, this picture, the one on the left, that is, um, the one on the right does not wreck me. It just, it's, it's kind of, I've seen it a thousand times, and uh, it's, it is what it is. But the one on the left, has anybody seen this on Facebook? My gosh, you guys don't have as good of friends as I do. Um, this right here is a picture of the modern day nativity. What? Yeah, so on the right side, well, again, let's, let's shape our view of God and of Jesus, right? The right-hand side, we have like this Western world's picture of the nativity. All of the, the animals are like sitting perfectly in line, uh, exactly how they should be for this like three-dimensional piece. They're all facing the camera. Uh, the, the straw and the hay in Jesus' manger is like perfect. Um, that's not what a barn looks like, right? Like any of you guys who've, yesterday we did family pictures at my parents' house and they have horses and like the horse ripped off whatever the thing that you hold, I don't know, anybody? Harness, yeah, harness, whatever that is, the harness out of my dad's hand and it's like running down the road. That's what it looks like. You know, chaos, there's, the horse is sitting the driveway, they have a loop at their house and it just takes a giant, on the driveway. <laughs> like it's steaming outside. Like that's what's going on here, right? So, so different than the image we have. So let's kind of set that aside. And then we go to the, to the left side of the screen. We've got Mary and Joseph outside of a 7-Eleven riding a donkey, like the imagery there, right? This, this person's pretty sharp, is riding a, a, a penny pony. And he's trying to find a place to stay. But what you gotta know here is, back then, to be pregnant and not married was catastrophic. Like, you're, the way it worked, the man was the money. So like, if, if you don't have a man, you have no tie to the economic systems of that day. And if you're, if you're pregnant and you're a virgin, or at least what Joseph thinks you are, and Right? Like, no thanks. Back in the day, that's how it was. And so when, when the Holy Spirit er, comes down and talks to Joseph, and Joseph's getting ready to divorce her, and he says, um, she's gotten pregnant by the Holy Spirit. If you're Joseph, you're like, yeah, right. Right? Like, uh, I disagree. That I've not seen that before. And, uh, and, and so you've got this whole scandalous event going on. Right, she's pregnant, they don't have a place to stay, they're, they're broker than broke, because you know that anybody with money is going to figure out a place to stay. Like, you're gonna walk over to a hotel and you're just gonna say, like, just how much? Like, how much? We're gonna have a place. They have nothing. They've traveled a long way, and this is, this is a pretty messy event. Any of you guys have been a part of childbirth, right? Like, this, this isn't why we sang Silent Light, Night, like you've got like this, Almost we act like Silent Night was playing there. Like, that's not how childbirth and that's not how children are, right? Like when a baby comes out, it's screaming its head off. It's not peaceful at all. And Jesus was fully human, right? And so we've got this situation where uh, what if the image of Jesus and the story of Jesus and the person of Jesus is way different than we thought? 
What if it's messier than we thought? And so let's just keep this in front of us as we kind of go into the next couple of weeks and some of you guys have family dinner after family dinner. Some of you guys just wish you had family dinner after family dinner. And it's a really sad time. Is that Jesus is very familiar with messes. Like from his birth to his death. Right? His death was, was, was disgusting beyond imagination. And so he's very familiar with messes. And I'm going to, here's where the voting comes. Uh, how many of you guys have some messes in your life? Yeah, yeah. How, how many of you don't? I'm just kidding. I'm not going to ask the, the, the three of you who are liars already right now. But um, like, he's just, the cool thing about the messes in your life is he's just very familiar, very acquainted with it. It's not a surprise. It's not, it's not a disappointment. Like he, he came in through a, a young girl. And in, in, a, in a stable. And, and actually, when they talked about Jesus and, and they said where he was from, they were like, there's nothing good that can come from there. Like, nothing good. I don't know what the city is. I'm not going to, I don't know. You guys can all pick a Michigan city that we would say that there's nothing good that can come out of there. I won't, I won't say that for those of you who are from Bertrand or wherever it is. <laughs> um, just kidding. But, uh, but that whole, like, there's nothing good that can come out of there. And Jesus says, you know where I'm coming from? There. There. And so as we go into Christmas and as we go into family situations that are difficult, as you have job situations that are difficult, as you have marriages and baby mamas and kids and whatever it is, like, he's, he's very familiar, very comfortable in that place. Like, he will meet you in that place. Just like Zacchaeus, I know some of us know Scripture better than others, and that's cool. Like, don't worry. That's okay. It's fine. Uh, there's a story in scripture where he comes up and there's this little guy tax collector who's been stealing like crazy and he goes up to the tree that the guy's sitting in to get a peek of Jesus and he says, I'm coming to your house today. Like, mm, that's, not, that's not what kings do. That's not what kings do. And so let's, one, be looking at a different view of Jesus and also that he comes in and through our messes and he's incredibly accessible he is our access. He's incredibly approachable. Like, people did not run away from Jesus. Everyone clung to Jesus. Even, even like a religious person who he was getting ready to, like, uh, knock on their back with truth. They came to him over and over and over again, asking questions. And so we're going to dive into John. Uh, if you don't mind putting John 21 on the screen, uh, this is uh, this chapter of the Bible has changed my life more than any others. Um, I, I wouldn't live in Michigan if it wasn't for this chapter. Um, and so when Jerome told me he was going to be out of town and ask if I would um, teach, this, is, this was just a very natural place to go. And it's going to show us some things. As you're watching through the verses, we're only going to go through about half of it. One, notice how different Jesus is than, than you saw on TV or you, you were taught growing up. So notice how different he is. Notice the messiness. Um, there's a lot of fish in this chapter, which I just think is just messy in and of itself. I think fish is kind of gross. But, um, but anyway, the, the messiness of it. And then also the accessibility and the approachability of Jesus. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. So here we go. John 21, 1 through 5. Let me catch you up real quick. Jesus has already died. 
Okay, Jesus has died, spent three days in the tomb, has been risen. Uh, Mary has seen the open tomb. So women, one of the coolest things and and a really great moment in the course of history is that who did God trust to to see it first? Women, right? So Mary has seen the, the, the stone rolled away. There's no body. There's just cloth there. And he's beginning to, to reveal himself after the resurrection to some of the people he loved because he's hope. Like he is hope. And he's just like, you know what? I walk with these people and I'm going to go back and tell them it's okay. I'm going to go back and tell them it's okay. So he begins showing himself. And so this is one of the stories. Uh, Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. Again, he's already died. He's already been risen. And I say that over and over. Carla and I were talking in between services. This isn't, like all, all the Christians out there, this is crazy. This is mysterious. Let's not act like Christianity is just normative. Like, oh yeah, there's just Jesus, of course, born to a virgin, uh, then raised for 33 years, died, rose again. Like, this is, this is crazy. Our hope, those who are following Jesus, our hope is abnormal. And so I think it would help us, and as we live differently, if we just even acknowledge that difference. Hey, hey, we're different. There's something crazy going on here. And, and for those of you who are not following Jesus or don't know Jesus, this is a great place to be. This is a great place to be. So like, I'm talking a lot about, with assumptive language about Christ's followership, but if you don't get it, um, and this is a struggle, it's okay. It's okay. He's asking you questions. You can ask him questions and meet him exactly where you are. Like, it's okay. He is, he is amongst lots and lots of other things, one of his parts of his job description is he is safe. He's safe for you and for your heart. So here we go. Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. This is how it happened. Several of the disciples were there. Simon Peter, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. Simon Peter said, so this is Peter, this is the rock who the church is built upon, this is the guy who denied Jesus three times just maybe a week or ten days ago. Um, He says, I'm going fishing. And they say, we'll come too. So they went out to the boat, but they caught nothing all night. So again, let's stay in the story. This is like a great movie. Honestly, the New Testament, the whole Bible, um, or at least 65% of it, would make an incredible movie. But like, this is a story, and remember, they're deciding what to do. Their hope has just died. A horrible death. Five days ago-ish, Peter took out a sword and cut off a guard's ear. Like, this is all, sometimes we talk about a chapter on Sunday, but like it can't be taken. It'd be like us talking. I'm not Star Wars guys. So how many of you guys have already seen the newest Star Wars? Yeah, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. But there's, there's, there's two. There's two. So we can flog them after the service. No, I'm just kidding. But so I'm not a Star Wars guy. But just imagine like in, the whole, in all of the Star Wars movies, if we're not just talking about one section, like if we pull that out, it's kind of anticlimactic. But this is in a story. This is in a story. So these guys, one night, are like, we don't know what to do. We were following Jesus. Everything was provided for us. He usually multiplied fish and loaves whenever we wanted. 
which fish and loaves today is $5 pizzas at Little Caesars and four for fours at Wendy's. That's the immediate, like, if we looked at the picture on the left of today, it would just be $5 pizzas and Little Caesars. But, like, they're deciding what to do, and they decide to go fishing. Because when you don't know what to do and your hope is lost, you just go back to doing what you've always done. And they knew nothing else but to go fishing. So they go fishing, and it's this cosmic setup because Jesus doesn't let them catch any fish all night long, right? So they're fishing all night long. Let me catch up with where we are on the screen. They went out and they catch nothing all night long. So we don't know all night long what that means in the Greek, but we assume it's more than an hour, right? Like all night long means they probably fish three, four, five, six, seven hours. And with as boring as fishing is today, um, this is hard work. Like they're chucking out nets, a net that in the end of this story is gonna catch more than 150 fish. So they're working hard. In fact, they're working so hard that Peter is probably in his underwear, but we'll catch that in a minute. I won't spoil that. At dawn, so sun's starting to come up, Jesus is standing on the beach, and the disciples couldn't see who he was. So they're a couple hundred yards away, and it's, it's a little bit light, and there's somebody standing on the shore, and they can't see who he is. Um, so he calls out, fellows, brothers, have you caught any fish? To which they say, no. And let's again, let's recapture who Jesus is. He doesn't need to ask questions. Doesn't need it, right? He knew they didn't catch any fish. He could see it all over their faces. He could see it in their boat, and he just knew it because he was the son of God. And yet he still asks a question. And so as we go into Christmas and we go into holidays, it's like, be ready. If you just like put that Facebook down for just a minute, just say like, Jesus, what's the question you're asking me right now? Holy Spirit, what's the question you're asking me right now? And don't be shocked when he asks you something. It's going to come through your brain, right? I mean, it's, you're going to say, oh, was that, was that my brain? Yeah, he does work through that, but he's going to ask a question of some sort and just listen and start that conversation. He's real. He's better than we think, and he's alive. All right, we'll go to, to verse 6. Then he said, throw out your net on the right-hand side of the boat, and you'll get some. So they did, and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Then the disciple Jesus loved happens to be the guy writing the book, John, right? He's actually writing about himself. I don't know. He chose to use, use maybe a better name for himself than John. He said, the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, let me, let me be clear, Peter. I'm the one he loved. Um, like today he'd be writing like his best friend, his best bud, um, said, it's the Lord. When Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic, some sort of robe, and he, for he was stripped for work, jumped into the water and headed to shore. Again, this is still a story. Like imagine if you were watching a movie, like this is really happening. And Peter, Peter had walked on water before, for a little while before he, he sank because he lost faith, right? So he had walked on water. So he puts on his robe, he jumps out of the boat, and he's like, it didn't work. You know, you got, he's got to be thinking that. Any of us would be thinking that. Like, you hop out of the boat and you're like, oh, man, I wanted to do that again. That was a blast. Instead, it seems like that didn't happen again. He goes down and he runs the couple hundred yards in, and he leaves all of his friends. It's very clear that they, they, do, they do the rest of the work, and, and, and he just runs off to Jesus. Isn't that cool? No matter how good something happens, they're catching, they've been fishing all night. 
They don't catch anything. They catch 150 50 fish, and he sees Jesus, and he just leaves it all. Right? Like, no matter what. Like, you, he, lottery ticket, essentially, right? Like, he won, the, he's at Kroger, he wins the lottery ticket, here's Jesus, drops the lottery ticket, and runs to him. That's essentially what's happening here. The others stayed in the boat because they're responsible, and they pulled the loaded net to the shore, for there were, they were only about 100 yards from shore. When they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them, fish cooking over charcoal fire and some bread. Bring some of the fish you've just caught, Jesus says. So, real quick, anybody heard of John David Helser? He's a, he's a musician. Uh, all right, who did? Oh, good job, guys. Um, Jonathan David Helser and Melissa, he, he references this moment as the first ever breakfast in bed. Like, they've done nothing. They, he doesn't even use their fish, right? It's very clear it happened before. So he's got, I Googled image some of this, and you've got, like, Jesus, like, turning the, the shish kebab of fish over the charcoal fire, right? So let's keep going into 11. Yeah, breakfast in bed. Jesus is making breakfast in bed. You don't hear about this, right, growing up. Like, that's just not... That's not who Jesus is. That's not how he carries himself. And instead, he's like, you guys have worked really hard. You stunk. I provided everything for you, but we're not even going to eat of that. I've already got breakfast made. Right here, some medium rare fish. I chose Bob Evans sausage or something, but nonetheless, this is, that's not around yet, I guess. Um, and there's this whole issue with eating pigs, but that gets resolved. So um, Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net to the shore. 153 large fish, and yet the net hadn't torn. This is a big deal because they don't, they don't fit one. You don't usually fish in the day because the fish can see the nets back then. So they fished all night, didn't catch any fish in the dark, and then they fished in the day with wet nets, which uh, is a problem. So they, they would have fished with dry nets and then caught the fish, but they say at the end, none of the, none of the nets broke because that would have been a little bit of a strange occurrence. Now come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. None of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Then Jesus served them the bread and the fish. This was the third time Jesus had appeared to his disciples since he had been raised from the dead. This, this you have to choose. So we get a choice this morning. Did this really happen? Right, that's the first question. Did the Bible happen? And if we believe that it happened, that this is true and this wasn't some figment of our imagination or some creative book that was written a couple thousand years ago, like this is who he is. This is a better picture of who he is than anything you've ever seen. I mean, he, like we get it there. Like he promises fish, they come. He, he promises death and resurrection, it happens. He cooks breakfast on the beach. Kings, Nero, Herod, Caesar, uh, Donald Trump, any of the, <laughs> oh, sorry, I'm, don't, nobody, nobody show that part of the recording for Jerome, please. But like, you these kings, they, oh man, I'm going to get so much trouble for that. But uh, kings, they don't make breakfast for their people. Their people make breakfast for them. Actually, not only their people, their people's people make breakfast for them, Right? Jesus, I mean, he's washed their feet. He, th this is who he is. This is so you're going to get Christmas cards over the next couple of weeks that are going to have, like, the right side of the nativity scene up there. 
but like, I just dare you to process in your head as you go home and you watch Lions football and whatever else you do today and in the next couple of weeks is imagine that this is him. Like he's standing on the beach, you're far off, your life is messy and stinks and all of your hopes are lost. And he just says, what you doing? How's it going? You catch any fish? And meet him in that honest place. Because number one, I have, a, I have a firm belief that he's different than we were taught. And honestly, for those who uh, have been following Jesus and kind of in the spiritual battle place, like Satan wants you to believe that he's this blonde-haired, blue-eyed, boring guy. That's what he wants you to believe, like incredibly impotent and lame to hang out with. Like that's what he wants, because the more that he can make Jesus boring and, and unincredible the more we just go back to whatever we're doing. And so it's like, th this, is a, this is a gripping dude. This is a carpenter. Um, this is how he chose to come. He chose to come low, right? And so I just encourage this as the weeks to come, like we're gonna be, you know, you're gonna hear Christmas songs and you're gonna, there's gonna be unwrapping of gifts and all those sorts of things. And maybe the best thing, even with each gift that you give or unwrap, is just like Jesus is the gift. Like, he is the gift. Um, and that might be new language for you. That might be new refreshment. But, like, exchanging the world's view of Christmas for, like, a Jesus who came in a mess. And he left in a mess. And he lived in a mess. And he hung out with people. He, he built the church on a dude who denied him three times within, like, several days of, the, of his death. And Jesus called it out from the beginning. He not only denied him, but can you imagine, like, uh, I'm going to pick on, let's pick Solo, because he's got a, like, he, have you heard, did you hear Solo talking? His voice is ridiculous. But anyway, um, I'll have to not think about that for a second, because it's, but Solo, right? Like, Solo, you're going to deny me three times in the next 24 hours. It's one thing to deny Christ three times in the next 24 hours. It's another thing to be told ahead of time. That's like calling a jump shot. Like, Halfway across the gym, off the backboard, and in. Swish. Like Jesus told him ahead of time, and he still denied him. And Jesus, guess what he still did? He still built his church on Peter, the denier, the sinner. When he was dying on the cross, he saw the whole thing. He saw Peter like in all of his good moments. He's uh, walking on water. He saw him in all of his bad moments, cutting someone's ear off and denying him three times like he saw it all. And I'm just even going to leave you with that today. He sees it all in you. Like he doesn't see a frame by frame in your life. He sees the high points. When you stopped and you gave someone $5 to fill their gas tank or whatever it is that you guys do that's good. And he saw you in your worst points. The biggest mistakes you've made, the tragic sins that you just don't come back from. And I know in a group this size, right, the things that you've done, the things that I've done, and the things that have been done to you would, would, would make all of us nauseous, right? And he sees that, and he meets you in that place. Like, he sees that, and he meets you in that place. Um,
And so I just encourage you to, even as you reflect in some of those things that have been holding you back for, for 10, 20, 30 years, like when you, when you think about what should be on your tombstone, it's that, it's that thing that happened when you were 15 or that thing you did when you were 28. Like he sees the whole thing. He sees the whole you. And he's pleased with you. He loves you. You're his kid. Jesus is oftentimes referred to as our brother, which is even kind of interesting that, that God uses familial language so much. So, Carla, would you mind coming up and, and you guys leading us in this last song? And I'd love if we, um, as we think about this last song, one, thinking about Jesus who's different, thinking about Jesus who meets us in our mess, and thinking about him being the key or the access point for us, it's very easy. I lead worship actually more than I teach. And there's a fair amount of time that people look pretty bored. Right? Look pretty bored like I'm just, I have better things to do. And I just encourage you to, to see if you can meet him in this place and worship him out of that place. This isn't pressure. This isn't a show. This isn't a game. I, I love the phrase, the stakes are high and the pressure's off. Stakes are high, the pressure's off. He has won the victory, now we get to play the game. Can you imagine Michigan State won barely by Oakland University yesterday? Can you imagine if they played a game that they already knew they had won? Like, what would it be like? I can tell you where I'd be shooting from if I already knew the score at the end of the game. I'd be shooting from wherever I wanted. I'd be like, I'd be taking the ball and just bouncing it through my legs and seeing it go in, because he already won. He already won. So I just encourage you to join us as we sing what a beautiful name it is, like to maybe join with him in a new and a fresh way. Like I wanna just, I wanna exchange the boring Jesus for a Jesus that I can connect with and who would love to connect with you. All right, you're welcome to stand, sit, go wherever you want and we're gonna worship together. Thanks for listening to the City Life Lansing podcast. Loving you and loving the city one life at a time. For more information, messages, and to partner financially, go to citylifelancing.com. You belong here.